0: lesson in school's ministry is be prepared for anything. <laughs> so we'll make a wee start while we're waiting for this to get sorted. Thank you for coming to this seminar. Have you taken my notes with you? You have, Susan. I'll leave those. Anyway, thanks for coming along. You're very welcome to the seminar on your school and you. I'll start by doing a few wee introductions to get us going. My name is Leanne Leanne Tlapp, and uh, I live in Hollywood. Go up to Hollywood Baptist Church there. And in a former life, I was a primary school teacher, but that does seem like a long time ago. Now I uh, work for Scripture Union here in Northern Ireland. Have done for eleven years, believe it or not. And um, for nine of those years, I was a schools worker, first in East Belfast and then in Bangor. And for the last couple of years, I've been in more of a management role, heading up the schools department within SU. Um, I've brought a couple of people along with me. If you two want to come up and um, to help me out this yeah. morning, so one of them—it's not me. Sir apologies oh, these people are uh, one of them happens to be my sister you can guess which one <laughs> but I'll let them introduce themselves hi my name is Janine Little and I'm a primary school teacher and I've been teaching in a school in Newton North for the last nine years and teaching P4 for nine of those and I'm moving to P5 this year um, I'm married to Marty and I have two little um, kids Jonah who's four and Freya who's um, ten months
1: Morning. I'm Glenn Johnson from Newton Arts. Uh, working in a local church there for the last lot of years. Uh, married with two wee girls, Ellie twelve, uh, Lara eight, and do lots of schools ministry in the Newton Arts, Bangor, and So that's all really
0: And because this is a seminar about schools, we thought we'd share a few of our memories of school to get us started as well. So my one of my memories of primary school is Tufty Club. Does anyone else remember Tufty Club? Road safety, a little puppet, Tough Day. Thanks to Tough Day, I always look right and left before I cross the road. So that's one of my favourite memories of primary school. Do you have a favourite memory, Jenny? Sure. I wouldn't say it's quite a favourite memory, um, and it's one that I try to avoid using in my own classroom teaching now. But um, one of my memories is after the Friday assembly, um, being summoned back to our, our room to say our times tables, and you had to stand up for the whole class and say whatever times table was required of you. And we're made to feel reasonably humiliated and downtrodden if you didn't know your times tables. And to this day, I still actually have a slight fear
1: of times tables as a result. Uh, Mine's secondary school memory. So uh, we went on a school trip to London when I was in second or third year, I think. I'd never been anywhere before. Uh, So we went across on the boat and then down into London. And then we went on the day trip over to Cali on the hovercraft. And one of the things the teacher said... well, two things, you must not buy any knives and you must not buy any bangers, you know, the sort of wee firecrackers. So a guy with us, I think he was called Peter McAvoy, he bought a massive big, not the, he bought a big French loaf and a flick knife and bangers and he cut the top of the loaf, hollowed it out, hid all the bangers inside, put the flick knife and then put the top on, wrapped it up and just went on with the loaf and got away with it, so...
0: Great, thank you very much. Not what not to do. No. You can take a sit down for the moment. Okay. We'll hear more from Glenn and Janine a little bit later on. that's who we are as individuals. But who are we uh, representing, if you like, today is SU. And I know a lot of you will know a lot about SU already. It's one of those organisations that's been around for a very long time. And actually, internationally, SU um, next year celebrates its 150th birthday. Here in Northern Ireland, we have three main departments within the life of SU. So we have our resource centre on the Albert Bridge Road in East Belfast where we sell dated Bible reading material or Sunday school material and um, lots of other books and resources, holiday Bible club material and mostly are aimed around helping churches and schools to engage with the Bible really well. And then of course we have our camps and missions department which is very busy at this time of year. There are 42 different camps and missions from SU happening around Northern Ireland and in Donegal over in Scotland as well and of course two happening right now here in New Horizon as well. Over 12 500 volunteers involved with that, thousands of children and young people. So they're very, very busy at this time of year. And then the department that we're here representing, which is, of course, the schools department. We have national staff who specialise in primary, post-primary and special schools. We have E3 workers who are SU at local level, who work around the country, seven different areas around Northern Ireland. Um, and our main mantra, I feel like, in SU is making God's good news known. Making God's good news known. Well, obviously, we're very focused on the Bible and Scripture Union. And obviously, the call of the Gospels is constantly to go, to go out from where we are uh, and to where people are. And for children and young people, that's in schools during the year, isn't it? And schools are places of learning, they're places of influence, they're centres of our communities, they're open to the curiosity and the questioning of the children and the young people, and even the teachers and others who work in them, in their corridors and classrooms as well. But it's also a professional environment, and it's an educational environment, and we have great opportunities to serve there, but we have to do that with great wisdom, and great uh, thinking about, carefully about the context of schools, and that's what we hope to help you think about this morning. So that's who we are individually, and that's who we are as part of the SU family, we'll share with you some of our memories of life at school, and I'm sure um, because school is something that we all have in common, you have lots of memories of school life as well. Perhaps you have memories of a favourite teacher, uh, maybe a hated teacher, maybe you have memories of pranks you played on teachers, or, or times you got in trouble, maybe your memories are of sports days, or end of term parties, or trips away, or maybe it's just smells, that you remember, I remember the smell of pencil sharpenings and the smell of wet paper towels. Do you remember the amazing things you could do with wet paper towels uh, there's many things about school life that haven't changed over the years including the wide and varied uses of wet paper towels by the way but there's many aspects that have changed. Oh, are we off? No, no, don't, we're to, don't be too Keep going. Oh okay, I'm too loud apparently. Apologies for that. Um, but yeah, some of you will, some of you of a certain age will remember corporal punishment. Others will remember being put into detention. Uh, other people might remember the fumes of a whiteboard marker uh, being used in the classroom. For some people, it's the chalk, and actually, no, it's an interactive whiteboard instead. Um, I remember looking up the encyclopedias, big heavy, big heavy books to do my projects and so on. Whereas nowadays, children just get all the information they need, for, of course, from the tops of a button on the internet. Um, Those of my generation will also remember the one solitary computer that was wheeled around in a trolley between the classes and you got it for half an hour on a Thursday. Whereas today, schools have computer suites and they have interactive whiteboards and they have iPads. And it's not just these physical things actually that have changed. The world of education is constantly changing in terms of its culture, in terms of its curriculum and in terms of its teaching methods. And I know if you're here as a teacher that you know that only too well. But the question we asked in the blurb for this seminar was how do we, as individual Christians or local congregations, effectively pray, show support, serve and speak into this context? That's quite a tall order. Hopefully we'll just get a starting point with it this morning. But I think the first step in answering that question is to be informed. To be informed because if we're going to pray for, if we're going to show support to, if we're going to serve and speak into this context, then we, we need to start off by knowing a bit about it. Um, so your school, if you like, the your school from the seminar at title, it might be the one you teach in or work in. It might be the one your children or grandchildren go to. It might be the one on the doorstep of your home or the doorstep of your church. But how, do you re- how much do you really know about what goes on in the corridors, what goes on in the classrooms, what goes on in the staff meetings, what goes on in the board meetings? And I think particularly as we come to this Context through the lens of our Christian faith today. How much do you know about the place of faith in schools? Now, I'm not suggesting that you need to know everything about the ins and outs of what's going on in the world of education in order to be involved in it. Not at all. But let me test you out um, with a few true or false questions. It still isn't working, so you'll just have to. Focus on me instead, apologies for that. Um, Let me test you out with a few true or false questions and give you a few kind of stats and quotes that will help us to become more informed and help to paint the picture better for you of what um, schools schools context looks like. So here's my first statement, and I'm going to ask you to think about whether you think this is true or false. Okay? So, true or false, 75% of Northern Irish children attend schools that are mainly Catholic or mainly Protestant. Okay? 75% 75% of Northern Irish children attend schools that are mainly Catholic or mainly Protestant. So hands up if you think that's true. Okay, a lot of people think that's true. Hands up if you think that's false. Okay, And anybody who thinks that's false, do you think that it's higher than that or lower than that? You can just gesture with your hand. You think it's higher, you think it's lower. Okay, I can tell you it is in fact false. Most of you were wrong. <laughs> because it's actually much higher than that. Because actually, it's more than 90% of Northern Irish schoolchildren attend schools that are either mainly Catholic or mainly Protestant. More than 90%. And in October 2010, so that's six years ago now, Peter Robinson, who was obviously the then First Minister, he described the Northern Ireland education system as being a benign form of apartheid, which is fundamentally damaging to our society. Um, quite serious words. Now we're not here today to debate the, the pros and cons of segregated education whether it's a good thing or not but just to help us paint the picture many people do see segregated, segregation in education as an obstacle to us building a shared and better, a better future for us here in Northern Ireland. And you'll be aware that many things like education for mutual understanding, as it has been shortened to, and integrated education, um, which was introduced in the 1980s, and numbers, they've become really popular. And numbers of pupils attending integrated schools have roughly tripled since the Good Friday Agreement was signed. So things are slowly changing. But even more recently, the idea, and again, some of you in education will know this, the idea of shared education. Has come to the fore more recently, and that's more about sharing resources and, and sharing buildings and creating partnerships between schools, with the aim of enabling more children and young people from different community backgrounds to be able to be educated together. Now, some people are really critical of that and think it's just another version of integrated education, if you like. Um, but it does give opportunities for different schools to work together. I can try that. Oh, thank you. on
1: a different map. So if you just want to hit space bar, oh. you can make your remote control just pay. Okay.
0: There are some photos of us when we were at school that we wanted to show you at the beginning but could Thank you so much. So that's me when I was p P1 going into Carried Up Primary School. See if this works. There's Glenn, looking really cute. What's good with that? The Model Primary in Newton Arts. See if that works now. Like. Brilliant, thanks so much. And there's Janine with our brother, Andrew, who will be delighted that we've just shown that to a group of random people in New Horizon. Uh, that's when we were at school. And then that's just a little bit about issue. There's our staff. We're very much a volunteer movement as well. And there's some of the memories I was talking about from school. So we'll go past all of that. And that was the question that we're asking in our seminar today. And we're starting off by being informed. See there's our first cheerful statement and there's the reality of it. So we're caught up. That's great. Shared education, yeah we just need to consider about shared education, what new opportunities it might give us going forward to be salt and light, and perhaps in contexts that we haven't had the opportunity to do so. Uh, and we need to be um, help promoting, I think, as Christians, a future for Northern Ireland which values diversity, and not just between Protestants and Catholics. Actually, but there's so many newcomers coming in from so many other countries. Our, our society is becoming more multi-faith. More multiculture. So, how do we as Christians help value that diversity but also protect the non denominational Christian ethos in our control schools in this society which is becoming increasingly more multi faith? That is a challenge for us. And there is a new control school support council that has been set up to do just that, um, amongst other things as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to hear what difference that actually makes in things here in Northern Ireland too. So, that's the first one. Let's have another true or false. True or false, clergy have right of access to teach pupils of their denomination RE. So a Presbyterian minister can come in and say, I'm going to take the Presbyterians out and teach them RE. If you think that's true, put your hand up. Two people? Three, four, five? If you think that's false, put your hand up. So most people think that's false. I can tell you that is in fact true. Strangely enough, that is in fact true. And many of you will know control schools, or the Protestant schools, were originally managed by the three largest Protestant denominations, so obviously Presbyterian Church of Ireland and Methodist, but they were transferred to the state control following the 1930 Education Act. But there was a few provisos at the time, and one of the provisos was that these church denominations could maintain a link with schools and represent the church's interest in the education system through having representation and control schools Board of Governors, and that was regulated by the TRC, which still happens today, the Transferers' Representative Council. But another one of the provisions was this. The clergy could maintain the right of access to go into schools and teach children or right, particularly children of their own denomination. Now, in reality, this doesn't really happen. In fact, it's not something we would be advocating for clergy to do, to come out and take their own denomination out. But actually, within the law, that is still what it says, and that is still what they have the right to do. Let me just show you a little bit of a quote from the Department of Education. Um, it talks about the role of Board of Governors in schools, for anyone who isn't aware. The Board of Governors, of all, is responsible for setting and maintaining an ethos for their school that promotes the moral, spiritual, intellectual, social and personal development of all, all its pupils. The TRC has nominating rights in relation to the Board of Governors of controls schools and exercises influence within this context. Now, that, this right of representation has been challenged in the past based on legislation around equality and so on, but the TRC have argued that this would remove the Christian ethos from the schools and that that shouldn't happen, and I'm glad to say it seems to be continuing. It's continuing. But I think, for me, this just reinforces the importance of Board of Governors and how they are helping to bridge the ever-increasing gap that there is between churches and schools since they were handed over nearly 100 years ago. These people are responsible for setting the ethos of the school. These people are responsible for setting whether or not it's a Christian ethos in the school. And we'll come back to that later, but I can't help but think, what, what voice should we have in that? And how can we support them? Because they have a vitally important role in our schools. Here's an extra faults. 65% of people learn best visually by what they see, which is why it was a nightmare for me when that wasn't working, <laughs> because we all learn visually. He thinks that's true? A lot of people he think that's false, about half and half that one. I've got a bit of a question mark so I'm not really sure. If you look that up and good old Wikipedia, it will tell you it's true. But the actual fact, I think uh, there's been loads of research done about uh, how people learn, and particularly about how children learn best, and it's changing all the time. I'm going to throw that from that, but I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. If you can see it and read it, you can do that yourself. But basically, teaching methods generally have become more child-centred. And again, the teachers here will know this. There's less chalk and talk, and it's more active, interactive, creative, collaborative learning. There's more focus on assessments, which I'm sure you teachers hate, 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 because that puts you under more stress. And pressure. There's more use of technology, there's more links with home, more cross curricular, more topic based approaches, more encouragement of thinking skills and personality, personal capabilities I think it's called, is that right? And self evaluation. Um, I don't know how teachers have time to teach, to be quite honest with you, but something. These are things that we try to stay in tune with as SU, as schools, workers going into schools. And I wonder if sometimes as churches um, we could do better at staying in tune with how the teaching methods of today and how children learn. Because it's so easy for us to just revert back to how it was done when we were that age. And yet it is changing all the time. So that's a bit of a challenge for us as well. Here's the next one. True or false? RE is a compulsory part of the Northern Ireland curriculum. Put your hand up if you think that's true. Okay, most people do. Put your hand up if you think that's false. A few people think it's false. I can tell you that is, in fact, true. So RE, there you go, 1986 Education Act, Article 21, says that it must be non-denominational, non-denominational in control schools, the Department of Education tells us. And maintain schools very much obviously focused around the Catholic faith, And their support body the CCMS they have just pumped loads of money into putting some great new resources together for maintained schools Um, the Protestant schools don't have that the core syllabus for RE was was published in in 2007 by the main four main churches in Northern Ireland and again teachers will know this it focuses on the revelation of God the Christian church and morality and then later on there's opportunities to look at other faiths and other religions kids at Key Stage 4, 14-16 get to study the Christian Church from both Protestant and Catholic perspectives as well. But the thing about the core syllabus for RE is that it's only supposed to be a starting point. Um, And actually, uh, schools can take it and shape it and mould it into the needs of their particular context. Now you can't do that with maths, you can't really do that with English. Um, in the same way but schools can for example take in additional teaching in world religions if that's appropriate for them or any other RE related matter Um, so it's very flexible Uh, and it shows again that RE is very dependent on the ethos of the school who sets the ethos of the school? the board of governors again reinforcing my point of the vital part that they play within a school RE is seen as quite controversial sorry this is quite long but I think it's a good quote from uh, some guidance from an RE advisory group when there was RE advisory groups, they don't really exist anymore. But unlike most other areas of the curriculum, RE is often being regarded as controversial. with some people questioning whether it should be included at all in publicly funded schools. For this reason, it is important that schools are able to articulate a clear rationale for including RE in soundly educational grounds, and this, this uh, document actually really can help schools to do that. But the place of RE in an increasingly multicultural and secular society causes concern, even for some Christian teachers, and I know some of you are here, are probably in that situation and could probably tell me stories around this. Um, but because of that, it's often neglected and often not, expect, not inspected either. And instead there's an increasing focus on respect and tolerance and being a good citizen through things like PDMU you learning for life and work and they're all good things and they're biblical principles actually but the fact is that RA hasn't been updated the way the other subjects have and up to date resources are hard for teachers to find I can't help but wonder if we could work together as Christians could we make a difference in this we work together as Christian organizations we have a heart for schools ministry could we make a difference and help support an RE in this way, particularly in primary schools, that's where the big problem is. How can we advocate for keeping a subject that doesn't have good resources to back it up? Loads more could say about that, but I'm gonna move on. Last, true or false, I think this is my last one. to moving on. You can openly evangelize in an assembly or RE lesson. Ha <laughs> ha. You can openly evangelize in assembly or RE lesson. Put your hand up if you think that's true. A bit of uncertainty this time. Put your hand up if you think that's false. Okay? It is, in fact, false. Now, we could argue here, uh, if we had time, <laughs> over what we mean by evangelize. But actually, the fact is, we're not there to convert children. Now, that make you go, what? As <laughs> um, an issue. You're really saying you're not there to convert children? But we, obviously, we want children to encounter Jesus. We want them to come to know Jesus in the long term. But there and then, in that situation, we are not there to convert children. That is seen as proselytization and that is definitely a no-no we're there to teach them from the bible we're there to share what our faith means to us and we're there to signpost them to places where they can find out more so we're careful about the language we use using language like the bible says or the bible teaches or christians believe or even i believe but not you must we need to remember that children are not there by choice different in an issue group in a school but in an assembly or or lesson they are not there by choice And that there are other children and young people and adults in the room who don't share our faith. We need to remember it's a professional and educational environment. And that's something that we have to think about a lot in SU. We've talked about RE lessons a bit already, but here's what the law says about assemblies. (coughs) The 1988 Education Act says that a daily act of collective worship should happen in schools, which is holy or mainly of a broadly Christian character it's offered to all pupils, they can opt out of that. They can actually opt out of RE as well. And recent reports from various people are pushing for more inclusive assemblies and are very critical of the way assemblies are currently done, wanting it to be more multi-faith and less confessional and more educational. But what's important is that at the minute we still have these opportunities, both in primary and post-primary and in special schools as well. So we need great wisdom in knowing how to make the most of them. Now I don't expect you to remember all of that, I've just chucked a lot of stuff at you, but uh, the point is that being informed helps us to know about this context, and to know how to pray, to know where the gaps are, and know where to get involved. But bringing this much closer to home, let me ask you, how much do you know about the schools in your locality? The needs that there might be, the opportunities there might be to serve? Do you know when they're going through an inspection? Do you know when they're advertising for a new principal or teacher? Do you know who the Board of Governors representative is from your church, if you're from a church that has that right? We'll talk later later about some of the opportunities at more of a grassroots level, but it all starts with finding out So go and ask. Go and ask the teachers in your church or your family. Ask the children. Um, Talk to your TRC rep about what's going on and pay attention when there's something on the news about changes in education and ask yourself, should we as Christians be speaking up on this? Be informed. We're going to go on now and be inspired. And this is where I'm going to bring in Janine and Glenn, because I can guarantee you they are both going to inspire you. Um, as part of the SU family, as people who are involved in support teams on the ground, leading SU groups, I know that they will inspire you. So do you do want to come up to the front and join me? I'm going to bring this with me to make sure we're recording. <coughs> I want to stand up on either side. Um, as you said does lots of work in schools and Janine is a teacher in schools so I thought it'd be great people to come and inspire you in schools ministry as well because we can know all this information but it means nothing to us unless we actually are inspired with our hearts to do something about it. So uh, Glenn kick us off and tell us, give us a reason, a biblical mandate if you like for why we should be involved in schools.
1: Okay I'm from uh, Brethren Roots so I have three points. Uh, biblical points for you but I think it's important actually to remember and sort of always come back to these things but let me just read you three verses and say something really briefly about each of them Isaiah 55, 11. so my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it and for those of you who are involved as teachers or going into school in whatever context I think it's good to remember that Lots of the children, the only time they ever hear anything from the Bible is maybe in a school assembly or an SU group or whatever it may be. And God's Word is the thing that penetrates and changes lives and hearts. So keep that in your mind when you're sharing that. It's frustrating sometimes and you think, is there any point? But the Word of God will transform people's lives and will not return to Him void. Second is F uh, 52. Oh, sorry, in, in light of that, through the, Christi- the influence of Christian teachers and people going in, Please be encouraged that you're taking that word that's changing lives. Uh, as 52 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. We were going on holiday uh, at the start of the summer, and I was sort of getting organised what I was taking, and I was trying on flip flops, and my youngest daughter, who is eight, she went into hilarious laughter at my feet and said dad you've got the most ugly feet which was nice wasn't it (laughs) feet are very ugly things but the bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news and we go into the context of a school and quite often children have difficult circumstances family lives backgrounds and we bring this great amazing life changing news of the word of god to children and then lastly two of the children, London Derry Primary School in Newton-Arge, I was taking a lesson with P7s one day and these two wee P1 children, so cute, came walking across, all the way across the assembly hall where I was taking the lesson and they were holding each side of a file and they sort of just shimmied like this the whole way across. They were so obvious holding on to this file and they took it to the office and then on the way back they brought it back again and they just shimmied like this the whole way across and they weren't going to leave go of it. And a verse that's really well known, Second Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And when I watched those children holding on to that, whatever it was, a file probably with who's getting lunch or swimming or whatever it was, I was struck by how important that was to them, this message. And we go in and we take a life-changing message of the word of God. And I hope we treat it with the same preciousness that they treated that. We are ambassadors. We represent the living God of heaven. When we go into a school and we do well to remember that and continue to be inspired as we take that message to children.
0: Great, thank you. Um, we'll stay with you, Glenn. So as someone who's a member of a local church, you're involved lots of schools around Bangor and Newton Ards areas. Could you share with everybody what kind of things you do?
1: Yeah, I, I basically do everything I can to try and get involved in life of school. So uh, almost every day uh, during term, I'll be taking a school assembly somewhere. Uh, and, and something Leanne said is important. Um, I don't go in in a school assembly looking for someone to commit their life to the Lord Jesus ultimately that's what I pray for and I see an, a school assembly as nearly like a link into the life of the school now obviously I'm, I'm opening the word of God and I'm telling stories from the Bible and I'm telling them the reality of God uh, but I'm not there to preach and look for someone to put their hand up and make a commitment that's so inappropriate in that context but school assemblies almost every day and that gives me opportunity then to be involved more in the life of the school so through scripture unions uh, for the local schools, I take so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'll be taking an SU somewhere in Newton Arts and then sporadically, uh, um, as time allows, in and around other schools. Lessons, RE lessons, uh, also maybe on a weekly basis. And then some other things that you can think about. Some of these things you may have heard about. There's a, an organization called Walk Through the Bible, and they uh, present something called Bible Explorer. So for a primary school, there's a curriculum they have to follow and Bible Explorer links really firmly in with the curriculum, so it's a five-week program, an hour a week for five weeks, uh, and I'll go in, teach the children the stories of the Bible right through the Old Testament. But for each one, they learn a hand sign and a key word. And when I heard about it in this, day, I thought that sounds really naff, but actually the kids love it and it gets it into their head. So first week teach them about creation which is great actually in a society that says we don't want to know about that anymore Uh, so they learn all about the story of creation and then they learn this hand sign for creation which is this and they say the word creation and then teach them about the fall Adam and Eve in the garden and it's fall so there's 77 hand signs and it's amazing how many of the children pick them up and learn them and for me what's encouraging I now meet children young people sort of 17, 18, 19 oh I remember you come into our school and you taught that thing and they're able to do some of the hand signs Uh, so I teach that in lots of the local schools and it's really clear bible uh, which they're learning and then it's your move uh, lessons SU uh, for P7s as they're moving on it's staggering even sometimes with the bravado of you know oh it's fine how nervous children are about that transition stage of leaving primary school moving to secondary school so lessons again really biblically clear lessons Uh, about uh, moving on and God's interest in their life. I'm involved in Board of Governors, in the school that my daughters went to, carol services, uh, both in and around, in schools, maybe taking messages, but inviting local schools to come to our church and host their carol service there, which is a great way to get to know them and just befriend them, show hospitality, Lever services, uh, P7s, when they're moving on, they'll give out certificates and awards, and I think I spoke at five of them in the Newton Arch area, which is a great opportunity because there's teachers there, pupils, parents, friends and just to be able to say you know, this is what I do and this is what I'm about but open the word of God uh, and read from it to them Uh, school trips, so maybe day trips as they're going places but also residentials Um, I think people think teachers go for a bit of a jolly on a residential, it is far from that I went to York with a local school last year and I was punctured by the end of the week, it was hard work (laughs) But anything that I can be involved... And on that trip, I'm not going... I'm not at any stage taking any Bible lessons around. I'm just there to be someone to help and to get to know them and to have a laugh with them, but building relationships with them. And then uh, football and hockey... Uh, easier for me with my children because they're involved in some of these things so I go but even sometimes when they're not just go and support the teams and chat the teachers and just getting involved in people's lives and showing them that I'm normal or relatively normal call in for a cup of coffee uh, with head teachers teachers uh, make a point of going into local schools at break time, lunch time just chatting with people and then concerts so it, really anything that I can do to get involved in the life of the school with a view then to have an opportunity to take the message of the Bible into the life of the school
0: Great, thank you, Glenn. And to name then, as a teacher who is on the other end of that, you're in the school that Glenn's coming into, what difference does that make to you, both individually as a teacher within your school and then to the school as a whole? Give me children any day of the week to stand in front of rather than adults, so you'll excuse me if I keep glancing down. Um, if you are a teacher here like me, you'll know that Christian teachers are increasingly under pressure to leave your faith at, at the classroom door. Now, as a Christian, I don't want to do that, um, and I hope that I don't um, ignore my faith in a (coughs) 9-to-5 context, but that's the pressure that I'm under, not to bring that into my classroom context. Yes, I can answer questions about my faith if the children ask, and certainly by my attitudes or my actions or the way that I care for the children who are in my classroom, I hope in itself is a witness, but that's the kind of context that a teacher is now placed in. But because Glenn and I work closely together through the Scripture Union on a weekly basis, um, his message that he brings through assemblies, through his RE lessons, um, through working alongside me and SU where I can be open about my faith, then I get associated with Glenn and the message that he is bringing into the setting where I work. And there's been opportunities that have come out of that. Children have come to me in the playground and said, my friend has told me that you're a Christian, Mrs. Little. Could you please pray for my granny who's sick? another um, child came up to me and um, they were playing sort of around my area and one of the children took the Lord's name in vain and and another child turned around and said don't do that in front of Mrs Little because that's really disrespectful of what she believes you know so it's in those situations that I'm having opportunities to have discussions with children or when I'm teaching the solar system as one of my topics and one child said Mrs Little you believe God made all of this don't you? and then there's an opportunity for me to discuss my faith. So having Glenn there and being closely associated with him through Scripture, the work that we do together in Scripture Union, provides opportunities for me to speak to the children and to the staff about what I'm about and what my faith is and how that's real and is impacting my life. When I first arrived in the school, um, all teachers have to take a mandatory um, after-school club. <laughs> And I'd said to some of my colleagues, who I was only starting to get to know, I'm going to ask the principal, can I start up a scripture union? And they were like, no, you don't want to do that. He's really against all that sort of thing. You don't want to be asking him, can you start a scripture union? Now, there's a big, long story about how the scripture union came about, but after much prayer and thankfully god stepping in and and guiding and controlling that situation glenn and i met and were able to collectively and got permission and a blessing to start up a scripture union in the primary school that i work in and i've been able to do that and through that then glenn's coming in on a weekly basis rather than coming in and doing a bi-monthly assembly he's in on a weekly basis and he started to talk about the things that he started doing he's taken our football team on the church minibus to their to their fixture and saves the school of fortune puts him up on a high pedestal, but it's building relationships with the staff and the principal. Going on our trip to York, we're always trying to fill our quota of enough um, adult helpers to go along and that ticks another box, so there you go, Glenn's the man for the job. It just builds relationships, and people become comfortable, and there's trust there with Glenn now. The staff trust him and know that he's working alongside us. He's becoming part of the fabric of what our school is. An extra member of staff who can come in at break and lunch and sit and have a coffee with us and ask us about our families, our kids, and what's going on outside of school, taking some of our male teachers out in the golf course and playing around the golf with them. That relationship building is a way of just um, teaching others about what our message is, showing them about what we believe. And that same boss, who did not want to start a scripture union, I'm just going to read a letter that he sent to Scrabble Hall in relation to the work that Glenn does, because Glenn would never um, blow his own trumpet like this, Um, and he's given us permission to use it publicly. So he said, over the last number of years, myself, the staff, our children and the whole school community have received great support from Scrabble Hall, and in particular Glenn Johnson, your school's pastor. Glenn takes classes, runs programmes and assemblies regularly as well as co-hosting our scripture union. He's given solace and offered wise words in times of sadness and has worked in conjunction with a small confederation of schools to provide the Crux programme which has supported pupils with poor attendance and behavioural difficulties in three schools. Glenn is incredibly popular with the children and the staff and when he holds his regular assemblies the children listen and participate with enthusiasm and glee such as Glenn's superb ability to relate to children. Yeah, you can maybe see Glenn could relate to children that way. His message and your church's support is invaluable and I'm simply writing to say thank you. Every school in today's society deals with increasing social concerns. And every school will find itself swimming against the flow of decreasing moral standards. Your support and Glenn's continued commitment are very much appreciated in our desire to educate our children to become good and able citizens of the future. A non-Christian principal who recognises the value of having someone in bringing a Christian message into his school setting. That's the dream, that's what we want just take a minute to polish glenn's halo here <laughs> <laughs> but glenn uh, yeah obviously you do a brilliant job but uh, for others here who maybe want to start getting involved in schools here from a local church and um, maybe don't know how to go why do they want to be more involved how do they go about that share us a bit about how you did that
1: okay i feel a bit embarrassed now uh, and <laughs> i think actually the stars in schools ministry are teachers to be honest with you uh who at the end of really busy day some of you will be here. Uh, take SUs and all the rest of it and make sure that this message stays uh, at the very core but from my perspective um, I was employed uh, oh, maybe 20 years or thereabouts as youth pastor in my church and schools was never envisaged it was never on the radar it was never mentioned and then a girl in our uh, church who teaches in one of the local schools asked if I would come to take an assembly which I did really enjoyed it uh, because you go in and get the rake about a wee bit with kids and I'm very much on their level because I've never grown up mentally I don't think but uh, that sort of just spiralled and grew. And then about maybe oh, 12 years ago or thereabouts, my church released me to be involved primarily in schools. So it's just through those relationships, I think, and being able to go in and take these programs and offer them uh, that things grew. But uh, I think the critical thing, and I hope this doesn't sound to be a bit twee, but I really do think prayer uh, is a critical thing in terms of getting involved in your local school. Janine mentioned about her school and not having an SU. Add a real burden about that because it's our local school. And just started to really pray that God would open an opportunity for an SU in that school. And then contacted Leanne in SU and said, look, I have a real heart for this. And she says, oh, wait, I've been talking to my teacher. She she teaches in that school. And, you know, that was very much God brought that about through our heart and through praying. uh, And has done other stuff there. So I would really encourage you. If there's a school that's local to you, pray like mad for that school. And if you have a heart to be involved in the school, pray that God will give you opportunities. But be wise about that and go and look for opportunities that you can do uh, as well. So in terms of that, volunteer with SU. uh, I think I could probably speak for the teachers that are here. They'll only be delighted for people to come in and help them on a weekly basis to take an SU. and and maybe don't sort of see that as dipping in and out why not go to your local school or someone you know and say look I could be here every week and I'll help you in that because you build relationships with them but also with the um, pupils as well so look for opportunities to be involved regularly in your school uh, through SU through those lessons amazing Jesus uh, lots of local churches through Baptist use take take this in this journey our amazing journey uh, and it's a brilliant thing that takes them through the journey of the Bible the children dress up and but on the back of that there's lessons amazing Jesus lessons so why not sort of look out for that and then go in and, and offer to teach those lessons in the school? Um, yep. um, and then through PTA, uh, the schools are always looking for people on their PTA. Some of you maybe have um, may have been involved in that. Why not have Christian influence on PTA uh, and be praying when you're in the school context, when you know what's going on? Board of governors, which I think is a critical thing in schools, uh, and for Christian influence. The Board of Governors in my daughter's school, uh, there are ten of us, I think there's nine Christians. Uh, so we're praying for the other person to become a Christian. But also, just as things come in, and I think it's going to be increasing pressure now on what schools are required to teach, well, why not have Christians in the Board of Governors who will say, well, actually, no, we don't want that, uh, and stand for that and be involved in things like that. Uh, school inspections as well. Uh, school really close to us had a school inspection recently. Teachers hate inspections. They're horrendous things. So why not go in uh, and pray for them and pray with them and encourage them ask them if there's anything you can do to help leading up to the inspection, even sometimes tidying up around the grounds or you know, wee practical things like that, they really, really appreciate it and that school, the day after their inspection it was quite a nice day and I just took them all in a, a lolly, I got them really cheap in Lidl, which was brilliant, I think it was six for a pound or something like that. but they appreciated just the fact that someone had thought about them uh, and had been praying for them, so there's loads of things you can do, but I think what I would say be in for the long haul mm. I think the critical thing is relationships and building relationships and showing a genuine interest that you are not just there trying to take this message and push it, but you're genuinely interested in staff, in pupils, and see it as a long-term thing that you can be involved in uh, and be in relationship. And lastly, be wise. I speak to some people and they say, oh, you know, times are changing and, you know, we may not be able to do this for so long. So they see a school as an opportunity to go in and ram a message down someone's throat. And please be wise in what you do. Do not go in and think, I may never get invited back. I'm going to give it to them then. Here. You know what, you will never get invited back, not because the context changing, but because you can't do that. So be wise in what you do and look for opportunities to build slowly, I would say, and to take a message and take it with reality through relationships.
0: Great, thank you. And that links in well with the next question, because Janine, I was going to ask you, how there are some sensitivities around Christians coming into the school's context. How can we, can you give some tips <coughs> to how to help overcome some of those sensitivities? Okay, as Leanne said at the beginning, you know, schools are professional places with codes of conduct and policies all in place. Um, so you've got to bear that in mind. If you're going into school, you're going into a professional setting. So that's where your mind has got to be from the outset. So I've put together sort of a list of do's and don'ts for you. Um, if you are wanting to go into a local school, just some tips to bear in mind um, to help you start on that road of building a, a good and positive relationship with a local school. So I'll start with the do's. Um, understand and appreciate the context of the school and I've got a few sort of sub ideas under that be aware of the schools policy and child protection and be aware on their code of conduct and adhere to those <coughs> policies you know ask for them take an interest in them and do your utmost to adhere to the policies that the rest of the staff in the school are expected um, to go along with be aware of the age of the children that you're interacting with so your language your resources and your length of contact time with them is appropriate to their age take into consideration the setup of the school, the different faith groups Uh, perhaps maybe what's been going on in the school, whether there's been any recent bereavements or um, maybe um, there's been issues of bullying or something going on in the school, because that might influence the type of material you use and the type of language that you use when you're in the school. And it's always good to ask, if you're working with a certain class, what the dynamic of the class is, what the behaviour's like, if there's any children with special needs, um, if there's anybody that you should particularly be looking out for whenever you're engaging with that class. So it's really just being informed of the context of the school that you're wanting to get involved in. Plan the language that you use. When you're in a school, avoid that Christian church jargon that we all so easily fall into, and and all three of us have listened have all fallen into it, even during this seminar. Um, Unchurched children, and especially youngest children, do not understand that Christian jargon. So find another way of saying the things that we say so easily in our Christian conversations. Um, Plan your resources. Use something portable and engaging that you can take in with you. Um, Something small, for instance, Glenn once brought in a box with a tongue inside it. If you want to know what that was about, you can ask him later. Um, Something small, but you'd be surprised how much the children um, listened and engaged with that assembly whenever he came with such a small resource. If you're wanting to use data projectors or interactive whiteboards, don't just assume that they're there and available to you or can be set up quickly (laughs) at the drop of a hat. Always ring and ask and and find out before you get there. (laughs) Um, Plan your outfit. Teachers are expected to dress professionally, um, not as professionally maybe as they would have even 10-15 years ago, as in we're not expected to be in maybe suits all the time, but uh, certainly in the primary school setting, but we, are, we do have to adhere to a code of conduct on our dress. So don't arrive in your tracksuit bottoms or wear a football shirt or, or something that would be considered inappropriate. It is a professional setting, so dress professionally when you go in. On to the don'ts don't go over your allotted time schools are busy places where time is precious so if you're in helping out with an assembly and you go over the time, that PE class who wants to get in next and is really enthusiastic because they're going to be jumping over a horse or something that day, are not going to appreciate if you cut their PE lesson shorter because you have not stuck to your allotted time or that poor teacher who's trying to get together all their assessment data for that week and they've planned a maths test at the end of your RE lesson and they've had to cut it out short because it's eventually lunchtime. they're not going to appreciate that either so always stick to your allotted time don't hype the children up with too much excitement or noise. Now that doesn't mean that you can't use humour or good resources or be enthusiastic in some way, but just bear in mind at the end of it, you get to walk out and us teachers are left with them for 15 or 20 minutes trying to calm them all down, <laughs> drag them back off the walls and settle them down to doing some division or something boring that they're really not interested in. So just bear that in mind. If you need advice on it, go and speak to a teacher. They will happily tell you what will and won't work because they have tried and tested methods. Um, Outside of the SU context, or outside of the SU group context, don't preach. And Glenn's already touched on this. Um, whenever you go in, you're not there to um, convert. Unfortunately, that is not the forum to do it. Um, so you can speak the gospel. Yes, you can. You can use languages of grace and forgiveness. And, go, and Christians believe that you know Jesus loves us and that He died on the cross for us but don't turn around talking about things like hell and punishment using angry tones or being pushy because I can guarantee you from experience that you will not be asked back and we have had people who have come into our schools in assemblies and have done that and even as a Christian I have sat there feeling uncomfortable knowing what the conversation will be in the staff room after and knowing that that person will never grace the doors for our building again so, with all the best intentions in the world, they have actually ruined that relationship opportunity and their schools ministry program that they are hoping to do with their church or as an individual. So, just bear that in mind. Plan your language. Think about what you're going to say and how you're going to say it, and that will help you kind of stick to that principle. Great, thank you, um, Glenn. You've obviously been doing this for a little while. I tried to say that sensitively, <laughs> but what fruit have you seen from being involved in schools ministry?
1: It wasn't a real tongue, by the way, in case you're wondering. I'll not say what it was, but it wasn't a real tongue. Um, I hope you don't think this is egotistical, but I wanted to share with you some things that have happened, not to draw attention to me, but to draw attention to the potential of what God can do Uh, in schools ministry so just a couple of examples Uh, I said about carol services we invited one of the local uh, schools to come into our church to have the carol service and they came for a number of years and there's this guy Tony I knew him from about the town recognised him and every year the carol service would just sort of chat to him how you doing you know just sort of low key stuff and then one year after he came the following Sunday and then he came the Sunday after that And then one Sunday, I just happened to be preaching in church this particular morning. And I appealed if anyone was really serious about committing their life to the Lord, just to stay behind and have the confidence to do that. And I would stay at the front of the church. So, anyway, stood and sort of walked or uh, watched. I watched him walking out, heading out the door. And then about a minute later, I saw him coming back in again. And he came straight up. And long story short, there'd been sort of some stuff going on in his life. And uh, he committed his life to the Lord that morning. And I said, You know, what brought you to that point? and I said well you know I just realised that I needed God and I didn't really know what to do and uh, I thought I've been here to the carol service quite enjoyed coming here so I thought I'd just come along to church because I thought that's where I'd find God and uh, you know that's one thing where you being involved and just inviting people to come in when they're seeking when they're searching when God's moving then there's a context then where they're comfortable to come uh, and his his wife became a Christian uh, last year as well and we're praying for their children now so that's exciting to see God just working in individuals another girl uh, there's a girl in our church who's a classroom assistant in a local school befriended another classroom assistant she was getting married last year so this girl from our church put on a wedding shower in her house now she doesn't do it by half you know. she had hired all the backs for the chairs and all this sort of stuff it nearly looked like a wedding and just invited some of the teachers invited this girl that was getting married had a wee breakfast for them and uh, it really impacted this girl she started looking asking questions uh, came along to Christianity Explored uh, along with her husband and they both trusted the Lord last year uh, were baptised in our church recently have joined and are now actively involved and it's through the impact of just somebody in the school contacts being the context being alongside them and then for me two very special things we've said uh, we've all said I think you know, you're not in a school to try and convert children uh, but that is our ultimate prayer that children will be converted and over the last year, it's been very special for us in two local schools, Abbey Primary School, Newton Arts, and Londonderry Primary, um, where there's a consistency in the people in the SUs. And In Abbey Primary last year, uh, six children trusted the Lord, and in Londonderry Primary, about three or four. Really, really clear, really lovely, wonderful testimonies.